I want to welcome our next guest, Heisman Trophy winner with the Fighting Irish College Football Hall of Fame, nine-time Pro Bowler, and inducted in the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2015 and a Raider. Tim Brown, thank you for joining me and Adam Copeland on the weekly pass. Hey, my pleasure. Good to be here. Yeah, so your daughter's heading to college, right? That's what I hear here. Yeah, just dropped off at the airport, so she's heading back for a senior year. Oh, nice. Where's she going? She's at LMU. Oh, nice. That's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Tim, i got to ask you then out of the gate here. Uh, now that you sent your daughter off to uh, back to school, uh, football season about to get underway. You're starting to feel the sweat. You're starting to get hungry for it. You're getting excited. You know what? I always look forward to this time of year, man. I mean, it's um, it's always a little weird, though. You know, I mean, I've been at the game 15 years, but it's like my body is saying, what, what's going on? Why are we not? <laughs> why don't we have pads on? Where's the helmet? Why isn't my ears hurting for taking my helmet off 20 times a day? You know, so it's a, it's a little weird, but at the same time, you know, I'm I'm happy to be on this side of the ledger at this point. Now, speaking of helmets, that makes me think of something. I think Antonio Brown, he's having a helmet issue right now. Well, I mean, before we start talking about you, I just want to get your thoughts on this whole Antonio Brown fiasco from the feet to the helmet, everything. He's finally reported to camp somewhat. He went to a meeting yesterday. What are your thoughts? Um. You know, it's uh, it's unfortunate, you know. It really is simply because, you know, he's such a great player, and now he's just put a really big target on his back. And if anything goes wrong, people are going to be pointing to this and, well, he wasn't prepared. And, you know, so that that's the unfortunate part about it. Um, you know, look, the helmet is obviously a very important part of what we do. Um, no one plays with the same helmet every year. You play with the same type of helmet, but not the same helmet. Um, so I get the change. Nobody wants to change. I played with the same helmet for 16 years, so I had plenty of opportunities to change, but it's like, why change if you don't have to? So so I get all that, but at the same time, man, you always have to make this game bigger than you, and it seems like right now he hasn't done that, and uh, that's unfortunate because from what I hear, the guy's a great guy to be around. He's a great team player, great, 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 and this little thing here can have people thinking differently about him. Outside of the camp, anyway. You know John Gruden. You played for Gruden his first stint there in Oakland. How how do you think he's handling this, and and how much of this is just on the surface for him, uh, supporting his guys, and how much of this is frustrating as as an offensive play caller? Well, look, I mean, you know, um, it's always going to be frustrating if if your number one guy is not out there. So, you know, you can put a smile on your face and say all the things that Gruden says, but certainly, you know, you're, you're thinking in the back of your head, it would be nice to have my brother out there, you know, running these routes. So that that's always the issue. But at the same time, you know, I was with the Raiders uh, at the unfortunate uh, uh, passing of Cliff Branch at the Memorial uh, last weekend. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody is pretty high high up uh, on this deal. They know it's going to work out. But it's just one of these little quirky things, you know, that you have to deal with. Now, Tim, the you know, re- us receivers, yeah. us receivers, we always have something coming up, you know. <laughs> well, that kind of leads me to my next question. You know, the receiver position is so much kind of the diva position. I mean, you weren't. You're a very yeah. humble, old-school player. I don't see you showing up to camp in a hot air balloon. But the receiver <laughs> position has, you know, it is that. There's a lot of uh, kind of, uh, you know, they got to hot dog it out and do everything. Yeah, you know, you know, and I've always said it's because it's the only position out there that's not supposed to get hit, you know what I mean? So, uh, and those guys, they don't get hit enough. If they were tackling and, and blocking like the offensive linemen, they wouldn't be such divas. But, um, you know, so I don't know. It's it's always been that. You you go back in, in time and you, you've always had the receivers doing the dances. I mean, I grew up here in Dallas. 
you know, when you know when they did the earthquake, when my man Butch Johnson used to do the earthquake when he scored a touchdown. So, um, you know, so it's always been a thing that receivers had. They always looked for the spotlight, and they, they always took advantage of the spotlight. So I, I think this is probably taking advantage of it in a negative way, but at the same time, you know, I, I think um, it, it's always about me, me, me. Mm-hmm. You know, being in the Bay Area up here and, and you haven't played in Oakland and then Jerry Rice across the Bay in San Francisco, and then ultimately you guys end up together uh, playing in that same offense, what were the juxtapositions between you and Jerry? Because Jerry had a little more flash to him. He liked being Jerry on the field. But you, of course, as Bonnie Joe mentioned, the humble receiver. How was it playing opposite Jerry Rice? Oh, it was awesome, man. You know, I always, always, I called him a pretty boy. You know, he was a pretty boy receiver. You know, <laughs> always had to have the, the long towel. The socks had to be perfect. You know, uh, no pads in his pad. Uh, you know, the eggshell, uh, uh, shoulder pads. And here I am with my big linebacker shoulder pads on, you know, hip pads in and all that kind of stuff because I'm the one who's got to go in the middle of the field and deal with those linebackers and safeties while he's out there dealing with those little quarterbacks. So, uh, but, man, look, let me tell you, it was the best three years of my life uh, as far as football goes, having the opportunity to play with somebody like Jerry. Um, you know, you're talking about being humble. For him to come over and say, hey, I, I came over here for one reason, that's to get Tim Brown to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, whether he meant it or not, he didn't have to say it. But I can tell you, you know, we, we had a friendship before that and and uh, even a better friendship afterwards, man. And um, so it's a beautiful thing. You know, we could have played together our whole careers. We're totally different receivers. We don't want to do the same kind of routes. We literally could have played 20 years together and, and never stepped on each, other to, uh, each other's toes. It's incredible to hear that, you know, because you hear about so many great Hall of Famers across all sports, you know, have, having the rivalry within the, uh, within the team or uh, when you're on the field with each other. But you guys have maintained that friendship now off the field after your careers? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, you get us on a golf course now. We don't like each other. I can see that. <laughs> Other than that, you know, we, uh, you know, we, 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 we're really good. You know, we're good buds, you know. So, um, mutual respect. You know, he's a GOAT. You know, I, I, I recognize him as such. And uh, but I think he he found in me a, a, a guy that he can trust and um, would always have his back in every situation. Now, Tim, you retired in two thousand two, but you still are the top ten in receiving yards, receptions, and TDs. I'm going to have you brag a little bit here, but what kind of number do you think you could get in today's NFL? Well, you know, <laughs> it, it's pretty interesting because you know initially I would say I would say, oh man, you know, me and Jerry actually had this conversation. And, you know, we were talking crazy numbers. But, you know, you know, the reality is this, though. You know, in, in the conventional offense that we ran, we pretty much knew where everybody was because we had tight offensive sets and the field wasn't spread out so much. You knew if you got to the other side of that tight end who was, on, who was the end man on the line, then you were free to go. You were free to run. But now in this four-receiver spread-out offense, you know, I mean, you never know when there's going to be a guy's coming off the bench on you, really, because everybody's so spread out. So I don't know if I would have had the freedom that I had in these conventional offenses. So, so I backed off of saying I would, you know, I'll be putting up 150 catches a year because you just, I probably would put up a lot of catches, but I'd take a lot of big hits also. So, um, you know, so I, I think, you know, you know, I love what these guys are doing. You know, I, I, and I wish we were making the money that these guys yeah. <laughs> were making. But, you know, um, yeah, I mean, certainly do I think I could uh, perform in today's offense, no doubt about it. But I don't know if the numbers would be that much bigger because, 
you know, I I think the way they're playing today's offense, they're trying to get the ball to different people for different reasons. So it will be very interesting to see how it will work out, Bill. Now, everyone always talks about the game has changed. How much has it changed, really, in the receiving position? Not not as much, right? Well, you know, I, I think you know when you when you're looking at uh, the slot receivers being you know smaller guys now, you know they're looking for those quick quick guys who can, you know, you can thank Amadola and those guys for for that. You know, you win championships and you, you're able to beat people out of the slot that everybody wants to do. The NFL is a copycat league anyway. So, um, you know, so I think from that standpoint, it's a little different, you know, where, you know, the Raiders drafted a young kid from uh, Clemson. His name has escaped me right now. But this kid, they're they're very high on him. Why? Because he's he's a smaller, quicker guy who can, um, you know, get those th- that, those five eight yard routes that they uh, they want to they want to have in the offense. So, um, so I think it's different there. And I also think these guys are much bigger than we were back in the day. Yeah, we had To and we had uh, Randy, but I think on the whole, when you look at how big these receivers are, you know, they're six one, six two, six four, six five. And, um, you know, you just didn't have those kind of guys back in the day. You go back to 1998 when John Gruden comes in, takes over as head coach of the Oakland Raiders. His first uh, head coaching job, he'd come over. He was offensive coordinator from the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. How did you guys view him? He was still a young guy, 35 years old. I think he was pretty darn close to the same age you were at 98. How was the transition of having him come in as a young sort of, I don't know, gung-ho offensive dude? Yeah, he uh, he was 34. I was 32. I can remember walking by him when I first saw him, not knowing who he was, and uh, he let me walk by, and he said, oh, you're just going to walk by your, your new head coach? I was like, bro, I'm sorry, man. I thought you were like the ball boy. Or something. <laughs> he, like he, was, he was about 18 years old, but, um, you know, I mean, I think quickly he uh, he let us know that he was going to be in charge, and uh, not, not Al Davis. You know, he was going to fight Al Davis for whatever he had to fight him for, but uh, I think from that standpoint, you know, once he proved that to everybody, guys played their hearts out for him because they knew he had their backs. And um, so um, I think, you know, I, I told him this weekend that I see the same thing happening already uh, with this team. You can tell that these guys are buying into what he's selling. And, uh, I mean, it was a preseason game. I get that. You can't, you can't, you know, judge a whole bunch about preseason games, but – I think these guys are gelling together and really starting to play the kind of football that um, that the Raider fans are going to love seeing for years to come. So have you been watching any of the Hard Knocks, Tim? Uh, not much of it. Not much of it. You know, I, I, I talk to John, so that's all the Hard Knocks. I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He gives you the he gives you the personal Hard Knock up yeah, close. Yeah, the yeah, direct the direct Hard Knocks. Yeah. But so. I guess I guess the question I've got then is is when he came in, I wonder if because he was a younger guy and, and he's got situations like you're talking about where guys are walking by him saying, you know, I thought you were the ball boy. <laughs> he may have felt like he had a little something to prove, a chip on his shoulder. Does he have that same chip now because he's been away from the game for so long? Oh, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, people are saying that, uh, you know, he's detached from the players and, and all those kind of things, which makes no sense at all. This is a guy who, for years, had a chance to interview every player he wanted to interview and interview every coach and defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator. So, if anything, if he had plans way back when of coming back to coaching and if he's kept notes, I mean, he he should have the most incredible notes of any any coach in the league of uh, uh, players and who they are and how and how they perform. So, uh, yeah, but I think uh, he certainly, you know, he walks around like that anyway. No matter what what he's doing, he's always going to have that chip on his shoulder. And uh, you know, I think this is a guy who uh, has something to prove, and I think he'll get it done. 
I want to go back in time a little bit. You were recruited by several colleges. You ended up going to Notre Dame instead of staying in Texas, and it ended up being a good decision. You won the Heisman in 87, championship in 88, and later inducted in the College Football Hall of Fame. I think you were recruited by Jerry Foss, but you were coached by the legend, Lou Holtz. And I think it's, you know, Notre Dame is still one of the most iconic football programs out there. Yeah. For me, you know, I went to the University of Notre Dame for one reason. That was to get an education. I had no... No dreams of playing college football. I mean, um, uh, NFL football. And certainly no dreams of winning the Heisman Trophy. And, you know, when Lou Holtz came in, everything just sort of changed. And, um, you know, he sort of made me believe or look at life a little differently uh, with football being involved. And, um, and for the first time I did that and, and saw life in football. Um, and uh, But, you know, winning the Heisman, it's not something you can even, you know, think about. You can't put that on the ledger. You know, when you're growing up, oh, I want to win the Heisman Trophy. Well, oh yeah, you and a billion other kids want to do the same thing. So, uh, you know, so for me, you know, to have that opportunity to be in a position was all we were trying to do to get the university back on, on the map. And uh, to actually win the trophy was uh, was something, like I said, you can only dream about. Now, how was it playing for Lou Holtz? I mean, he's, you know, I've never met him, but I, I hear great things about him. Uh, incredible guy, you know. I mean, quite, quite the motivator. Either you hate him or you love him. Uh, you know, he's a guy that will certainly uh, put you in the right position. If you can handle it, you'll be great. If you can't handle it, you'll be exposed. So, uh, and I think that's something that everybody learned pretty quickly about him. And, uh, you know, for me, it was just the best thing ever. So, um, you know, he put me in such great positions that um, even calling me the most intelligent football player that he had ever coached, that made every seemed like reporter in America come flying into South Bend trying to figure out who he was talking about. And uh, so that automatically put my name on the map. So, Tim, would you rather catch a Raiders game or a game in South Bend right now? Uh, well, you know, you know, South Bend is just a totally different feeling for me. You know, when I got there, I was a, I was a young kid and I left there a grown man. So, I mean, everything, every time I go back there, it's just a totally different feeling. Um, you know, Raiders was work. That was a job. You know, I was employed to, to go out and do what I had to do. And, uh, I, you know, I have great, great memories there, especially with the fans. Uh, but if I have the choice, it's always going to be South Bend for me. It's a little bit different when somebody comes and recruits you and asks you to come, uh, you know, make you into a man the way you're talking about at a university. Um, I wonder about the connection with you and, and the franchise of the Raiders. I don't think there's any doubt there with the fans. Um, but this being now the final season, officially the final season in Oakland, how do you feel? Is it is it bittersweet about the move to Vegas? I imagine uh, you being a former player for the team, it's got to be like, you know, you're happy they're getting a stadium, but it's not the hometown you played in. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I got over bittersweet, uh, you know, months ago, you know, because, yeah, initially when all this came down, it was sort of hard to digest. But, you know, I know from being there for so long that it's the best thing that can happen to for this franchise. And, unfortunately, it's not happened in, in Oakland like everybody wanted to have happen. I, I even had a conversation with, with Mayor Libby, mm. you know, five, six years ago, and she told me point, point blank, oh, yeah, Tim, we're going to get this done you know, we uh, we just we're just hogging over some some acreage right now, and that's the last thing. You know, so um, so you know, look, I mean, with 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 the rate organization rather being in Oakland, you know, I think that ship is is obviously sailed. But uh, certainly, they had no intentions of moving out of Oakland. I can remember the day they told me that they were moving. I was at a game, and the president was was almost in tears, making that uh, you know making that speech because it wasn't what they wanted to do.
but it, it was something they had to do to save the franchise or to help the franchise be in the new in the in the millennia and where we are now, you know. So and this was the same scenario in Ballers. You were Tim Brown playing Tim Brown. And you, I don't know if you, you saw this post, and yeah. you did the same kind of position, talking to Mayor Libby, you know, in a way. And uh, that was pretty fun to watch you, you know, basically play yourself in real time of what's going on with the Raiders. Yeah, it was fun. We had a good time. And, you know, anytime you're face-to-face with The Rock, man, you know, you got to really build your P's and Q's. So, uh, you know, because he, he, he's not going to make it easy for you. He was laughing at me, jabbing me, like, "Oh, you about to mess this up? I know you're not gonna get this one right." <laughs> so it was, uh, but it was a lot of fun. We got through it. How did you get that role? Did the, you know? Because it kind of played into obviously what was going on on the show. But did you want to be on there, or did they all of a sudden your agent call you and say, "Hey, I got a role for you on Ballers"? Yeah, you know, we turned it down three or four times because initially they had me cursing and doing all this kind of stuff, and really being somebody that that I'm not. And you know, it was an incredible opportunity, but. At the same time, you know, uh, I always have to represent Tim Brown uh, as Tim Brown. So um, so they finally, you know, took everything out that they wanted me to do. And most of the stuff that, that they had Rock doing, they took that out also. And uh, they even added in, you know, because he cursed early in, in, in the first one that I was in. And the guys, the other guys, were like, hey, hey, you don't do that to Tim Brown. No curses. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I love that. You stick to your guns. You ain't going to go toe-to-toe with yeah, The Rock, yeah. huh? Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. So, you know, but uh, it, was, it was cool for them to uh, to tie that in. And, uh, you know, some of the the, the extras or actors on, on set were, you know, pretty impressed with that because, you know, they're having to do things that they don't want to do because it's their livelihood. But mm-hmm. they were happy for one scene in, in, in the show uh, they could they could be themselves and just act. Now the Raiders moved back and forth, you know, Oakland to Los Angeles. I want to know from you what was the difference from playing in the two different cities? Um, I know the fan base was still the same, but was there any difference or one place that you liked playing better? Well, you know, L.A. was cool for me because I had um, I had family down there that I could see and hang out with all the time and and be around. Uh, you know, Oakland was you know more. Once I got to Oakland, I married. Uh, the second season, we were up there, third season, 97, that we actually lived up there anyway. The second season, we lived up there. Uh, you know, so for me, it was, you know, it was, you know, I, I really enjoyed both, you know, because I had a family up in, 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 in Oakland, my wife and my kids and all that. But in, in L.A., I had family, you know, my cousins and, and all those people. So, so for me, it was always the same. I never looked at one as being bigger or better Tim, we gotta, I want to go back uh, uh, when you guys come back to Oakland, early 2000s here. Uh, I don't want to bring up or, or rip the scabs off of old wounds, but got to ask you about this guy. You're in the snow, divisional round 2001. Tom Brady's back there. This guy is still playing, man. They may still be the Patriots, the favorites to win it all again this year. How impressive is it to you, being that you played for so many years in the league, that this guy who was just a kid back in that divisional game is still winning Super Bowls in 2019? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's really amazing that he he's taking that – one big call that he got and turned it into a, a fortune of uh, championship rings and, and I'm sure money for himself, you know, and um, it just goes to show you, if you, if you take advantage of, of breaks in life, you know, you can, you can make good things happen. So, but you know, the game is so different now for quarterbacks. I mean, a kid could probably play another five years if he wanted to, because they're certainly not going to let anybody hit him. That's for sure. 
Now, you know, I hate to talk about this, but I got to mention Super Bowl 37. We were all rooting for you to get your Super Bowl. And starting center Barrett Robbins ends up disappearing in Tijuana. And you end up kind of being outspoken that, you know, Coach Callahan sabotaged a team's chances to win after changing the game plan late in the preparation process. Do you kind of still stand with that? Well, look, I mean, what happened is what happened, and I think everybody knows what happened, and I, I've made plenty of conversations about this, and there, it's even deeper than what, what I initially thought because you, you learn things years later mm. about what really happened. And uh, so, uh, you know, the bottom line is we had an opportunity that uh, we didn't take advantage of, unfortunately. And, and for me, you know, it's sad because it was the only opportunity that I got but, um, you know, uh, at least I can say I played in the Super Bowl. So, <laughs> you know, so, but all that other stuff, it is what it is. You know, there's no reason to go back into that. But at the same time, you know, um, you know, I feel bad for Barrett uh, because he wasn't necessarily treated right. Mm-hmm. And I uh, certainly feel bad for the team because, you know, I got a, I got a Hall of Fame out this deal, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I, I got something that I can say, look back on and say, hey, it was all worth it. But a lot of guys didn't, you know, don't have this, this Hall of Fame or don't have, you know, the nine Pro Bowls and all the accolades. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, it's a little different for them. We'll end it on a, on a more positive tick here, Tim. Uh, can, can you give us your thoughts on the Raiders for this season, how you think they'll fare in their final year, and then maybe just a, a little rundown of that AFC West. you got Pat Mahomes out there, the Denver defense. What are your thoughts on the AFC West and the Raiders in 2019? Uh, look, I mean, I, I really think they're going to be a good football team this year, man. You know, uh, if they can get A.B. going – uh, is they're going to be they're going to be really really tough to to handle I believe so um, you know the AFC West is tough you know how's Flacco going to do Mahomes this sophomore year would he have a slump you know yeah you have all those questions out there but at the same time when you look at the defenses of the Broncos and the Chiefs and the Chargers you know these are three teams man that can really get it done on the defensive side so and uh, I think that's going to be the big thing for the Raiders they're going to have to upgrade their defense and I think they've done that. And uh, but now these guys got to go out and 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 make it happen on the field. Well, that's good. Thank you so much. Such good stuff to hear from you, Tim. I appreciate it. touchdown, Timmy. Thank you for joining us on the weekly pass. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. All right, Tim. We'll talk to you later. Thanks. Good stuff from Tim Brown. You know, expected. He was an analyst for a while for ESPN. I believe Fox as well. But I love him because he's humble. He's you know he's a big Christian guy and he he sticks to his guns on um, on his beliefs and. Um, He's kind of all-around good guy, Copes. Well, he, he I mean, it's fun talking Jerry Rice and, and Tim Brown. And when I was a kid, I mean, growing up in the Bay Area, uh, I, I was a 49er fan. And I disliked the Raiders. I disliked growing up in me the East well. Bay where there were kids who were Raider fans. And it was always, for me, Tim Brown versus Jerry Rice. And then when Jerry went over there, sort of warmed up a little bit. And you went, man, this Tim Brown guy, he can get it done. And as you become a sports fan and you come of age and you grow into it, realize this guy was one of the greatest football players of all time, a Heisman Trophy. Uh, he mentioned all the Pro Bowls. Uh, one chance at a Super Bowl, didn't get it done. But uh, And he's right. He was a different guy than Jerry Rice was. Played uh, a great compliment to him. It's nice to hear that they're still buddies and that he's still tied in with the Raiders and John Gruden. Yeah, one thing, I guess my biggest takeaway from it, or my favorite takeaway, was the fact that he said that him and Jerry were such different type of receivers on and off the field that they could end up playing, what he said, another 20 years. I mean, Think about that. Think about grabbing two Hall of Famers, especially the receiver position, be able to play together and be able to actually be successful. That is pretty rare nowadays. I would I would kill to be a fly on the wall of a room where you had like Tim Brown, Jerry, and like I don't know, maybe maybe Dion hanging out talking football. Those guys from that era, a defender and two guys who were used to going deep and going up against Dion. That kind of stuff would be a blast. Yeah, and that was one question I forgot to ask. I want to ask him what was the toughest DB that he. That's when we against. usually ask the Hall of Famers who's the guy you hated yeah. coming across. That well, he probably ran into a bunch of linebackers too, being the slot that, guy. And, and he, that, I mean, you know what. 
what? That's true. More who, linebackers. Who's the linebacker you did not want to see coming over the middle at you? you one know? thing I thought was kind of weird is he retired Copes in 2002. He wasn't inducted into the Hall of Fame until 2015. He was not a first ballot Hall of Famer at all. Remember there was a time where they weren't letting like a lot of receivers in, but isn't that kind of obscure that he took that long with all these stats, I couldn't believe that it took him that long to get in. I looked and go, he just got inducted. Yeah, NFL takes a little while sometimes. Uh, it's a little wonky with how it goes. But, you know, the the, the ring of fire of the Raiders or the, uh, the, the everlasting flame, what do they call it, the eternal flame the eternal in Oakland. Flame. Uh, he's a part of that, a big-time uh, Oakland Raider for all time. And I think pretty excited that they're going to Vegas. But do you think that because he didn't win that championship? Because, you know, it always, like, if you have one Super Bowl, it kind of helped you get into yeah, Canton, but wide or, receivers, or did it not matter? Uh, wide receivers is tough because, you know, you can put up numbers and, and be the greatest receiver of all time time and, and never have played in a Super Bowl because it's all about whether or not a guy is throwing to you. Who's I mean, the greatest wide receiver of this generation, Calvin Johnson. How many playoff games that guy even playing? Right. They retired after like nine or ten Megatron. years. Megatron. Megatron, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, that, and that guy's going to be a Hall of Famer easily. So, you know, I, I'm not sure the Super Bowl has anything to do with Another it. Johnson, Andre Johnson. I, I think he I, goes in too. One of the all-time greats. And out of Houston, played his whole career there or, or damn near all of it. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. He was a uh, should have been a first ballot, but glad he's in now. And the College Football Hall of Fame did not uh, falter on when he got in. No, and I would have liked him to get that Super Bowl, though, right? That's yeah. the one thing. Well, Whether you know, it's a Bear Robinson like I said, I, I did a, want – I know. I didn't. I was a Niner fan. I wasn't totally rooting uh, for No, it. I wasn't totally rooting for them either, <laughs> but I did like Tim Brown and Rod Woodson. I had a couple of buddies on that team, Anthony Dorsett Jr., and I was like, oh, I kind of want them to just you know, get one Tim Brown. Yeah, I was out there going, you know, I'm okay with a Mike Allstott running it in, you know, with the big, uh, the big shoulder pads. You're in good hands the, with Allstott, yeah, remember? there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. Join us again next week. I'm Bonja Laughlin. I'm Adam Copeland. And that's a weekly pass.